It is really a uh, special honor. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to speak to you, to share with you today. Uh, this is not something that I do often. Yes, uh, I might preach or teach in front of a, uh, a few of you in a much smaller, much more intimate setting, something that uh, I'm much more comfortable with. It's been a long time since I've been in the pulpit. Uh, matter of fact, I was trying to think, I think probably in 1996, 97, so it's been well over 25 years since I've done this. So I ask grace. Just be a little graceful. I'm not David. Uh, uh, and this is not the, something that I do all the time, but I uh, do see it as a really, really special privilege. And I hope God's going to bless uh, what I have to share with you today. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go and visit my son and his family who lives in Virginia. If I'm being honest with you, I really was going to see my two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter. But they were all there. I had the package. Uh, my son has uh, worked in politics. He's worked in legal areas. Uh, so he likes to talk about current events, things that are going on, politics and things like that. One afternoon, we were sitting out on, our, on his patio, and we were talking about things that are going on in the world. We're talking about the events of the day. Um, one of the questions that came up, my granddaughter's name is Ainsley, and one of the questions that came up was, what type of world that we're leaving for Ainsley? What's it going to be like for her in 20 years? Given what our society, our culture is like today, what are we leaving for her? in the future. There's things in our culture today that are discouraging, that are fearful, that make us just wonder, what's going on? Where's God? It strikes fear in our heart. It's difficult. I want to start by showing you some images of a couple of things. So, as these images come up, I, I think you'll recognize them. This is about this is a memorial to an event that happened uh, just a little bit more than a year ago, when what was it, 21 people were murdered in Uvalde in a school in an elementary school. And when we think about that, it brings uh, tears to our eyes. It brings fear. For those of you that have kids in school, I'm sure things like this just strike fear in your heart. Even more recent than that, another image here. This is the uh, memorial about the shooting in Allen, Texas, just a little more than two months ago. All those people killed senselessly, needlessly. Once again, uh, we say, what's going on? We live in fear. These things strike fear in our heart. And then one more image. Uh, we hate to even look at the news. What's going to be the bad headline today? Everywhere we turn, the news tells us about how terrible things are. Now, you're thinking already, 
Now, this looks like a doom and gloom sermon, but trust me, that's, it's not what it is. That's not where I want to go with this, and we're going to turn this tide quickly. So I want to show you a couple more images. This is one you may not recognize. Why? Because it didn't get the kind of press that those others received. Back in February of this year, more than 50,000 people descended on a small college in Asbury, Kentucky, a small university. And for over two weeks, 50,000 people prayed and worshipped and experienced Christ in a a way that, that wasn't normal for them. Many people say this is the first true major spiritual revival that our country's had in decades. So, on the opposite side of all those fearful things, this is showing God's at work. He's not dead. He's not gone. He's still here. We can have reason for hope because of things like this. Because God is still at work in the world today. Another image. This one's local. This is the Abundant Life Pregnancy Resource Center located right here in Athens. The volunteers in this uh, organization minister to uh, expectant mothers, young families, with one of the key goals is to share Christ with everyone that comes through that door. These people are ministering today, bringing hope to a world that, in other words, in in other ways, is just riddled with, with bad stuff. One more image. This one you're going to be familiar with. People right here, just within the last couple of weeks, have taken the gospel, have offered hope, have it offered encouragement, have offered Christ to the people in this community. And it's going to start again tomorrow. Our not VBS, where we reach out in a positive way with good news about Christ to our community. So, these images give us hope. And there's a lot of things today that could make us uh, fearful, could make us discouraged. There's ongoing battles uh, over religious freedom. There's the constantly shifting moral uh, struggles, uh, the surrounding moral values and issues. There's controversies on how our children are being taught in school, what they're being taught in school. Uh, We're worried sometimes about restrictions on our freedom as Christians to worship. I mean, we remember what happened during COVID, right? The government said, you will not meet. That struck us oddly. First time we'd ever experienced anything like that in this country. So there's a lot of things like that. There's just nonstop violence and, and disaster all around us. Mary and I typically watch the 10 o'clock news. And it's not unusual for Mary to say as the news starts, she says, listen, I'm going to go do something else for the first 10 minutes till they get through with all the murder and violence. I just don't want to hear it again. So, I mean, it sounds strange. We get uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get uncomfortable being around in big crowds and in places that are crowded. Because you never know what's going to happen next. You never know what disaster is going to happen 
where we are. And uh, I know I don't have to really be there. I know as a believer that God has me. I know that my eternity is secure. I know that I don't have to live daily in fear. And but while I know all that, you know what? I'm just human. And those fears strike me just like they may strike you. But we can always go back to God's Word, God's promises. They can help snap us out of that, those states of fear and discouragement. They can bring us back. They can bring us back where we trust God, where we can be encouraged, where we can be hopeful. And this morning, I want to do that. I don't want to talk about the disaster. I want to talk about the hope. I want to talk about the hope that we can have in, in such a chaotic world. And I want to do it by revisiting a very familiar passage of Scripture. One that I'm guessing that most everyone in here could quote it. That's Psalm 23. Now when you quote it, it's, there's a good chance that you're going to quote it out of the King James. That's how most of us learned it. But that's the passage of Scripture that I want to go to today. And I want to read it for you. The Lord is my shepherd. And I'm not reading out of the King James, so listen to the words carefully. A little bit of a different twist on it. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along right paths for His namesake. Even though I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Very familiar passage of Scripture that we all know by heart. But I want to go through it piece by piece. I want to start with that very first phrase, the Lord. It starts with those words, the Lord. Every promise that follows is initiated by, it comes from the Lord. And this is a special word. This is that very sacred, that very personal, that very formal name for God, Yahweh. It's that one that later, His people didn't even want to speak that name. It was so revered. Uh, It describes the God who created everything. The God who's always existed. It's Yahweh, the Lord, the one who created the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. The one who made promises to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. The one who spoke to Moses from a burning bush. And then gave Moses the Ten Commandments. It's the God who parted the Red Sea. The one who chose a shepherd boy to slay a giant, and eventually become the greatest king of his people. That's the God. The Lord is my shepherd. 
what I'm trying, want you to make sure you understand, these promises come from Him, the Creator, the Sustainer of all of us. But I don't want you to overlook that second word, that second key word, the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. God's people were used to thinking of Him as the Father of them, exclusively. This big nation. He's, he's our God. But a lot of times they didn't think of Him as my God. And I want you to realize that Yahweh is your shepherd. He's my shepherd. I want you to make it really personal. These promises aren't just to a nation of Israel, but they're to me, they're to you. Don't underestimate who made the promises, Yahweh, and who He makes them to, and that's you. That's me. So what hope, what promises do we find for our lives in this familiar song? that will help us have comfort, hope, in the middle of such a disastrous, chaotic world that we experience today. Well, first, in verses 1 through 3, we see that one of the reasons that we can have hope, that we can be encouraged, is because we have a life that is abundant. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I If you remember the King James, it said, I have what I need, or I have what I want. I do not want. But here, in in this uh, version, in the message, in the contemporary English version, they all change it instead of the word want to the word need. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. So the focus here shouldn't be on what we want, but that we have what we need. You know, sometimes we have a hard time distinguishing between want and need here in the U.S. Sometimes we think, you know, we need this, we need that. Really, we want this, we want that. We don't realize how blessed, how fortunate uh, that we really have it. Mary and I support a couple of missions in Africa, and we get, and from one of them, we get weekly letters and pictures of what's going on in these African villages. You want to talk about people that don't have anything? People that don't worship in a building like this that are under a tree or in a, in a, a room that's made of mud bricks and dirt floor. People that are not necessarily sure where their next meal is coming from. But you know what? Those people are full of joy. They, they, they love life. Why do they love life? Because they have Christ. That's, it's been given to them. And, and wants, it's not something they incur. They have what they need. They're full of joy. They don't lack anything they need. Psalmist David then goes on to illustrate how the shepherd makes sure his sheep or us. Uh, we have food. We have the green pastures. We have good water. And we know the path that we need to go. That's what 
abundance is. Having a roof over our head, food on the table, and knowing what's next. That's an abundant life. And this is all done for His name's sake. It's done in God's name. Remember, we're talking about Yahweh. Throughout history, He's continually revealed His character and how He took care of the people, how He loved them, how He cared for them. And these verses here, He cares for us. He provides for us everything we need, uh, not just what we want, but everything we need. I really like this quote from John Piper. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Can I be satisfied with Christ? Those kids, those new believers in Africa, they're satisfied with Christ. Can we be satisfied with Christ? That's what this is referring to. Really, all we need is we need Him. But in addition to that, uh, verse 4 gives us another reason for hope. In verse 4 we read, Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This verse promises that in the midst of all the things that are going on, we have a life that we can see as secure. If you think about what was going on with the shepherds in that day and time in that area, they were always leading, guiding their sheep to the next green pasture. And sometimes that had to go through difficult terrain. This is the, the area where this was going on is, is a desert. It's a semi, semi-arid desert. Rocky terrain. A lot of places where there's no grass. There's no water. It's nothing but tough sledding. And those, those shepherds had to guide and lead those uh, sheep through those. A lot of times they, were called, they referred to them as wadis, but they're deep, dry stream beds. Uh, no grass, uh, just rocks, steep walls. And when we read through the valley of the shadow of death, that's what's being pictured here. They're in those deep canyons. It's oppressive. It's hot. It's scary. But even though I have to go through the darkest valley, the deepest valley, and you and I have to do that, we, it doesn't say that we're going to be able to avoid them. It says we are going to sometimes go through those. But I will not fear, for you are with me. They had to go through them to get to the next place. Uh, but they didn't have to fear. And we could even make, when it says darkest valley, it's really a bit stronger than that. You might think of it as, you could interpret this as the darkest of all the dark valleys, the deepest of all the deep canyons. And all of us experience those. We have those times of difficulties, but here we might think of it as the worst nightmare of all the nightmares we've ever had, our deepest valley the most difficult thing that we've ever faced. The time in our life when we'd like to forget. That moment in our life that we wonder, what's going on? Where's God? We all experience those darkest valleys, those deepest uh, despairing places. But despite all the the threatening danger, The next phrase, I will fear no evil. Why? Because of who's leading us. Because God is leading us. Yahweh. Remember, 
The Lord is my shepherd. And he's got every possible resource that he needs at his disposal to protect us, to secure us. Here it talks about the rod and the staff. The rod was most likely a, a short, shorter instrument, more like a club, a mace, that uh, the shepherd would use to defend against wild animals, while the staff was more likely a longer crook that he used to support animals that were struggling or to help guide them back into the, to the flock. So God's got all those tools that he uses to not only protect us, but to guide us, to lead us, to get us back on the path, to, to pull us back in when necessary. And those tools are used to comfort us. It provides us confidence that we'll be guided by the shepherd down the right path for your rod and your staff. They comfort me. The psalmist is encouraging us to trust in God to keep us safe and secure as he leads us through all of life's journeys, all the darkest of the deepest valleys, no matter how difficult they may be. So far we've looked at we can have hope because we have an abundant life with everything we need. We have a secure life because we can be confident in the shepherds and God's protection leading. But there's more in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The passage seems to take a bit of a turn here. It seems like we're no longer talking about sheep, but we're talking about something else. We've got this, this image of a host and a guest. Uh, it's more intimate. It becomes... You have this picture of... Uh, some great host inviting you, inviting us to a meal. We've been invited to as an honored guest. And when that happened as a host, my job was not only to keep you safe, to provide a, a good environment for you, but to have great provisions, to provide whatever you need. Uh, you know what it's like when you're invited to someone's home. Uh, it's It's special to know that you have someone that cares for you that much. Someone that you can come into, that you can rest and relax, have conversation, enjoy, just be free with. Uh, It describes a special relationship between you and a friend. And it describes a special relationship between us and God as our host. He invites us to meals. He invites us to sit down with Him. He invites us to uh, fellowship with Him. He, uh, he wants us there. It's a, uh, a special, special type of, of thing. And it's a great blessing to be able to have this. There's another quote that I want to share, uh, or two quotes. First from Billy Graham. The greatest blessing that we can receive is not material wealth or earthly success, but His presence in our life. Let, let that soak in for a moment. The greatest blessing we can receive is, is from God is not material wealth, it's not earthly success, but His presence. And when we're invited as God's uh, guest, as He hosts us, That's His presence with us. And then the the other quote by Beth Moore, God's blessing is not a guarantee of a trouble-free life, 
but a promise of His presence and strength in the midst of trials. What's the blessing? We're in the presence of God. So far, we've talked about the hope that we can have because we have an abundant life with everything we need. We have a secure life because we can be confident in God's protection and leading. We have a blessed life that gives us closeness of being an invited guest into the home of the Father. But there's a final thing in verse 6. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. All the reasons to have hope, uh, to not be discouraged, this is probably my favorite. So not only do I have the opportunity to be with God in His presence, secure and safe today, but it's going to go on forever. I think if you come tonight, you're going to get to hear more about heaven, uh, I think, as Tim shares with us. Uh, I don't know how many of you... How many... Let me see a show of hands. Did How many of you read the uh, Left Behind series? Oh, a good number. Do you remember the final book? The last book as they come into heaven? Now... Well, we won't talk about the theology behind all this, but I love that part of it. I, I love that image of what heaven is going to be like. Um, I, I can't wait to get there. I wish you'd come today. It'd be okay with me. Now, you may say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Right? Don't you have a few things you want to do? Sure I do. Yeah, I've, I've got a bucket list, so I don't want to... You know, I do have... Well, I'm looking forward to heaven. I still got some things I want to accomplish. I'll tell you a few things. Unfortunately, a lot of my bucket list revolves around golf. I don't know how many of you are golfers, but over my lifetime, I tried to estimate, I think I've played over 3,000 rounds of golf. Every golf round, you have four opportunities to make a hole in one. That's 12,000 opportunities I've had to make a hole in one. I haven't made one yet. I still want to. I still want to. I I, I need some more time. I need to make a whole one. I want to go see the Masters. Uh, I want my son and his family to move back to Texas so that we can be with them more. But there's a lot more things that I'm looking forward to in heaven. Two days ago was the eighth anniversary of my son's death from cancer at the age of 29. And I can't wait to see him again. I can't wait to be reunited with my dad who died a couple of years ago, my brother, other loved ones, other special friends, people who have influenced my life, uh, the great saints. I, I, I look forward to talking to Noah. I've got a question for Noah. I'm going to say, Noah, a couple of weeks into that boat trip, all those animals, how did it smell in there? My guess is not good. There's a lot of reasons that we may want to continue to live here, but there's so many reasons to look forward to living with God forever. Let me finish this point with uh, this quote from C.S. Lewis. 
Has this world been so kind to you that you should leave with regret? There are better things ahead than any we leave behind. So, in in a chaotic world, can we have hope? Absolutely, we can have hope. Let me leave you with just three takeaways to try to summarize things up. The first is, uh, and you'll see kind of an acronym here. I don't know if it'll be obvious, but uh, the deck is stacked in our favor. We've got the best cards in our hand. First is, we've got an almighty shepherd. We have Yahweh providing, leading, guiding. He's the one that created. He sustains the world. So first of all, we can be confident. We can have hope because we've got an almighty shepherd. Next, we have a constant, continually present shepherd. One of the things that David didn't have is the Holy Spirit. Yes, God came, God spoke to him, God had a a presence with him, but it's not like us. Remember, Christ, as he left, and the disciples were all concerned about his leaving, but he said, don't worry, I'm going to give you someone to be with you that's really like me. But the difference is he's going to be able to be there with them all the time. So we have the presence continually, constantly of the Holy Spirit in our life, the shepherd who's constantly, continuously present. And then finally, we have a shepherd that's eternal. No beginning, no end, has always been there, always will be, always looking out for us, always providing, always securing, always blessing, always preparing a place for us. That should give us hope. That should give us encouragement. In a world that truly, honestly, is messed up. This world isn't pretty today. You know, I hear people on TV... uh, after some disaster has happened, and they will say words like, uh, this is senseless, I don't understand it. Why is this happening? Unfortunately, I know why it's happening. It's happening because 10, 12,000 years ago, God put Adam and Eve in the perfect position. He provided everything they absolutely needed and gave them one Guidance. Don't go here. Adam and Eve chose to say, God, I'm not going to... You're leading? Not so sure about that. Let's go our way. And we know what happened. Sin entered the world. And since that day, sin has dominated men, has dominated us, has dominated this world. And there's only one way that we get out of that, and that's with the Good Shepherd. We commit our life to Jesus Christ. He said, I'm I'm the Good Shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep call me by name. If you call Christ by name, if you know Him today, you can be safe, you can be secure, and it's forever. So let's lean on these promises. In a world that can be discouraging, that can be difficult, that can be trying, 
but God has us in His hands. He's the Good Shepherd. Pray with me. Father, we thank You for David and this message, uh, how he shared his heart about what it means to be a shepherd, what a good shepherd does. We just pray, Lord, that we lean on You, that we commit our lives to You, we follow You, um, we let You be the leading, guiding force in our lives. And we thank You for this morning, we thank You for Your Word, and we thank You for uh, the fact that we do not have to be discouraged, we do not have to live in fear, but we can live in hope. In Christ's name, amen.